hello. These are your hosts, Brianna, Grace, and Kim. Hello. From the MISN CAP team, this podcast is under the Real Women's Forum, and it aims to serve and discuss themes on trust in relationships, sexual health, hygiene, racial issues, and misogyny, amongst other things. One of those things is the addition to subjects that pertain to youth. We have created a new section under our podcast named Adolescence with an X, where we will speak on topics that particularly relate to youth. Before we start, small disclaimer, the Real Women's Forum podcast does not issue any medical advice. Instead, the podcast serves as a safe and brave space for women and other members of the community to discuss, voice common concerns, and share their experiences. We encourage you to visit MISN's website to seek information on specialized programs regarding health insurance, improving birth outcomes, and educating teens on the risks of being sexually active. Today, we are here with Jill and Kathy from the Sullivan County Public Health Department, Jennifer Lanzqua, our Community Health Worker Supervisor, Lynette Vargas, our Community Health Worker, as well as members of our Baby Cafe. For our listeners out there who may not know about the Baby Cafe, the Baby Cafe is a safe space that offers free information for parents in a relaxed, informal environment. The Baby Cafe meets every Monday of the month from 11 to 1 p.m., as well as every fourth Monday of the month from 3 to 5 p.m. Before we begin, I would like to briefly introduce who we are. Uh, Brianna, Kim, and I are all a part of the CAP team, and we provide youth services within Orange, Ulster, and Sullivan counties. Our mission is to sustain healthy relationships between youth and empower them and their dreams through education. One way we do this is by providing evidence-based programming to youth ages 11 through 19 in a variety of settings. Our evidence-based programs discuss topics such as sexual health, positive youth development, as well as personal and professional development. We also have a youth club as well as our podcast. And with our podcast, we hope to allow for important conversations to occur regarding topics such as mental health, personal growth, as well as overall health and well-being. So today we're going to be talking about childhood vaccinations. So if um, you could explain to us what childhood vaccinations are. So childhood vaccines are uh, vaccines, obviously, that are given throughout a child's lifespan, and adults need them too, but we're talking specifically about children today, straight from birth up into the age of 18. And they are designed to help prevent 14 vaccine-preventable diseases. So obviously, we want our children to be healthy, um, and the vaccine series that we have and the vaccines that are available are designed to help protect our children from some of the more common vaccine preventable illnesses that we have so we you know most of the ones we know chicken pox we've heard of measles recently with that outbreak tdaps which is tuberculosis and uh, a bunch of different ones and i don't want to go into all of them unless somebody really wants to know but there are 14 preventable illnesses and there are schedules that the pediatricians have that are designed to be the most effective those schedules if they're not adhered to end up not giving you as much protection against a virus or the disease that they're trying to prevent. So the the goal is to get all children vaccinated in a timely manner and as per what the doctor tells you. That way they'll have the best protection against whatever they're trying to avoid getting, whether it's measles, mumps, rubella, any of them. And I just want to say that I feel like this definitely taps into why it's important that we go to our yearly doctor's visits or for babies monthly um, to just ensure that we're in the right place with our vaccinations, blood tests, whatever it is that we need. It's really important that we continue to be active at the doctor, not just when we're sick or when we feel like something's wrong, but just going to ensure that we are as healthy as we can be and we're preparing ourselves for whatever season is coming, whether it's flu season, COVID season, whatever. 
Absolutely, because whatever your whatever vaccine the child is getting is building upon for the next. So it's like almost filling a cup. You start off down here and then you work your way up and then at the end you're hopefully as as immune against the virus or the disease that you're trying to prevent as possible. And that's only through a doctor's office that, that you get that or a clinic. I also want to say to make sure that, um, you know, you've talked about going to doctor's appointments, but the doctor's also a resource. So it's okay to have questions and it's okay to ask those questions and get the answers that you need. So, you know, use your pediatrician or your primary health care provider to get those questions answered and you're advocating for yourself and your child. So the next question we have are what are some of the risks and benefits of vaccines? And most importantly, are they safe? Yes, vaccines are safe. You know, there's always a risk. So, you know, it'd be um, unwise of us to say that there is absolutely zero risk because there always is. But the benefit so outweighs the risk that for the majority of people, those vaccines really do not pose, you know, risk to the, to the health and safety of mom or baby. It is important to remind everybody, too, there is the perception that some vaccines can lead to autism. Um, those studies have been completely determined to be unfounded. Um, and the one that was really popular, the doctor who did that has actually lost his license in the process. So um, it is really important to remember that some of the more common things that we hear and that go around on social media are not fact. There is a lot of misinformation. Um, and we've seen that particularly now in the time of COVID regarding vaccine safety. You know, you can look it up. You can look up vaccine safety records. So the CDC does keep track of when somebody has an adverse effect. But, you know, the benefits to those vaccines so outweigh those risks. And, you know, even something, I, Kathy and I, I know we've talked about this before. I didn't get this. I had chicken pox. I think Kathy probably did, too, because we didn't have a vaccine when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of kids and a lot of people who have severe complications from actually getting sick, you know, so if we can prevent that illness, even something that, you know, used to be considered commonplace, you know, we want to prevent those risks and the risk of children having severe injuries or illness from getting these actual illnesses. Uh, We want to try to prevent that and do the best we can with our kids. And I was going to say, now a long-term effect of actually having the chicken pox is that I'm eligible to get shingles. So now... I have to get another vaccine because I'm I'm at the age where I can get shingles and because I had the chicken pox and it's still in my system. So vaccines have a, um, a real purpose and a long lasting effect. Yes, there are, are boosters necessary and that's for just about every single vaccine that there is, you have to go through a series. But the fact that I've never, gotten shingles to this point is really great. And now I'm I'm actually going through the process of getting the shingles vaccine. So, you know, there's a there's a um, waiting period for that also. So I've gotten the first one. Now I have to wait a couple of months before I get my next one. But, you know, the risk of feeling not well when I got the vaccine is better than actually getting shingles. So that's the way that I that you have to look at it. You know, like I'd rather get pain in my arm or a little bit of a fever or not feeling well in general than getting shingles. And, you know, some some of these diseases can actually be deadly. And unfortunately, um, you know, I'll speak from personal experience. I have a family member that got shingles and actually died from it. 
So when we talk about vaccines, it's very serious and it's very, very, very important that you follow the series. So our next question would be, do vaccines have any effect on breastfeeding moms or their children? Uh, positive effects. I mean, there are even, I think it's the Tdap vaccine that's recommended for women to get while they're still pregnant to provide the best protection and antibodies and immunity for their child before the baby's born. Um, I don't know of any harmful effects to breastfeeding moms or babies. Do you, Kathy? No, I do not. And as a matter of fact, uh, when my daughter-in-law was pregnant, I was asked to get a booster for one of the vaccines. And I think it was uh, hepatitis because I ha it had been so long since I had actually gotten the vaccine for it. They wanted to make sure that I was immune and my husband was immune. Yeah, I had my family do that too. I have a baby here um, at home. She's five months. And so my everyone, I made everyone get their Tdap vaccine. I was like, everyone, the baby cannot get whooping cough. Everyone that wants to see the baby has to get their booster. Exactly. I knew, I couldn't remember what it was, but I remember I had to get it. All right. So we did touch upon it a little bit, but um, is there any specifics on how long immunity lasts after you get a vaccine? Depends uh, on the vaccine. <laughs> You know, and, I, and I'm going to go back to, to measles a little bit. You know, a couple of years ago, we had an issue with measles in the county, and it was always thought that once you completed the measles cycle of vaccines, you had lifelong immunity. Um, however, they were finding that people didn't. You know, when they were doing blood tests and stuff, there weren't the antibodies to the measles that they thought. So I actually ended up getting another measles vaccine just to make sure. Uh, my kids are a little bit older. So I don't have to worry about some of the things with infants, but it varies depending on vaccine. Like our flu vaccine we get every year. You know, chicken pox is a one-time series. Some of them are um, a couple of series as they go. So it's it varies depending on the vaccine. Again, this this stresses the importance of going to our yearly physicals because we we remember the year that we went, and then we're gonna forget. And next thing you know, you're like two years overdue on your booster. So. They do have vaccine schedules and they have, uh, for parents, they have ones that are very easy to read. They're in English and Spanish and they're probably other languages too. I just looked for those today. You know, but they're very handy to have. They can give you a reference that you can look at and say, okay, this is how old my child is. This is the vaccines that my pediatrician should be recommending, you know, to make sure they stay on schedule. And I would just like to say too, that if somebody gets off schedule, Please talk to your provider and don't be, you know, don't be embarrassed or afraid to say, you know, my kid is behind on vaccines and then just stop getting them. Your pediatrician, your healthcare provider can get you back on schedule. So if Absolutely. you miss something, please, please, please make sure you're still, you know, don't kind of go into that bubble and say, well, my child is behind and, and I can't get caught up and I don't want to tell anybody they're going to think I'm a bad mom or whatever the case may be. There's a variety of reasons, but your healthcare provider can get you back and get your baby back on a schedule. So again, going to those those office visits, making sure that you're having an open dialogue uh, with your healthcare provider, because they really are there to help you. So the next question that we have is mostly about myths about having to do with vaccines and stuff. Um, I know that a lot of people believe that vaccines can make you sick and can cause autism. I know we touched a little bit on this before, that they have toxic ingredients. Can you just touch a little bit on these myths, maybe what they are and what evidence there is, like science-based evidence there is to prove that these aren't true? 
One of the myths is that they use a live vaccine. They leave a, use a live virus in order to get you to be immune to it. And in most cases that, that we're talking about today, that's not the case. There is like, you hear a lot about mRNA now and, and different vaccines that are developed based on the DNA of the virus. So when people speak about mRNA vaccines now, what it's not gonna affect your DNA, it's gonna affect the DNA of the virus itself, not your um, biological system, it's not gonna affect your ability to have children, it's not anything like that, it targets the virus, not you. Okay, so it's just telling your body that it, it's able to fight what it needs to fight in order to not get sick. Another of the myths is the fact that you can a child can get autism. As as Jill said earlier, this is not true at all. There there was one doctor in Florida who actually ended up in jail because he purported that you could, the children were getting autism from vaccines and he lost his license. There was a big, huge lawsuit. And I mean, he, he'll never be able to practice medicine again for saying these things. So it's important to know that, you know, that myth is not true at all, at all. Yeah, well, so, yeah, so and another, uh, the flu vaccine too, I, I know we do flu clinics and a lot of people say, I got the flu shot um, and I got sick, so I'm never gonna get it again. The flu shot is also not a live vaccine. If you get sick after you have the flu shot, it's most likely because you were exposed to it before. Um, and since we are talking about the flu virus or the flu vaccine, you know, the flu vaccine is definitely one that's not 100% effective. And the reason for that is that there are so many different variants of the flu virus, kind of like we're seeing now. We see with the Delta variant, the Omicron variant, we're seeing, you know, it's publicized with COVID. Um, but the flu virus does the same thing. And there's so many different variants that when they design the vaccine, they actually do a lot of research into what's happening in places like Australia, that their flu season three, four hours. They do research about what variants of the flu virus were prevalent the year before, and they make the best vaccine that they can based on the information that they have. So, you know, a lot of people have questions, why should I get a flu shot when it doesn't stop me from getting the flu? And, you know, last year or two years ago, um, you know, maybe we thought it was a good year because it was, you know, we had a 36% effectiveness. Um, but what it doesn't tell you is that it stops you from getting very sick and it stops hospitalization because it's pretty deadly as well. Please make sure that you're getting your information from reputable sources. You know, talk to your doctor, talk to your healthcare providers. Um, there's a lot of misinformation on social media and on the web and it's really important to make sure that you're getting valid information before you make any decisions. And um, with the recent Omicron variant and the spike in COVID cases occurring and the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines being licensed for use in children from 12 years of age and older, do you recommend or should children 12 years of age and up be vaccinated against COVID? Absolutely. I am dealing with two positive kids right now. One was exposed in school and one was exposed to his brother, but they had very symptoms were fairly minor, um, to moderate to minor. They felt really down. My one son is still kind of on day three, so he still feels pretty down and out. But my other son was only about three days. Um, and I firmly believe that their vaccines help them have minimal symptoms. And I know as a parent, it was tough watching them go through it. They had basically 72-hour migraines. 
but I was fairly confident that they weren't going to end up in the hospital because they had the vaccine and they were responding to treatments they weren't getting worse. So from a personal experience and from my work at Public Health, I highly recommend, you know, getting your kids vaccinated. Our pediatric hospitalizations are rising and those are particularly in unvaccinated kids. So highly, you know, recommended that they can get it. Again, if you have questions, talk to your healthcare provider. They are the best person. They know you. They know your family. They know your kids. They would be the best person to get the information from. Also, um, you had said children 12 and up. It should actually be children 5 and up. Um, the, the children who are 5 and over are eligible to be vaccinated. I just think that it's very important that all children are vaccinated at this point because it's sweeping through the schools. And what happens is it doesn't just affect the kids in school, it affects the kids when they go home. And a lot of times you, they live with parents who are older, who have an opportunity that um, they can get very, very sick because they have underlying conditions. We have been talking a lot about COVID and the COVID vaccines and moms. Um, and even the booster um, now that we have that Omicron variant going around. So our question is, are COVID vaccines or even the COVID booster recommended for breastfeeding moms and why? Yes, they are. They're recommended to get the vaccine at any time, whether they're breastfeeding or not. And it's to protect themselves and the baby because Obviously, mom is going to go out to the store. Mom is going to go shopping. She's going to do what she has to do. Other children in the home might be coming home from school and be able to trans transmit the virus. So it's very important that that moms get vaccinated. No, there is, you know, there was, uh, and we touched on it before. There was concerns at one point um, that pregnant women shouldn't get vaccinated or it can affect fertility as they've done more work and research. And they have found that that's not accurate either. You know, and I think it was in Georgia or wherever they were seeing a dramatic rise in unvaccinated moms who were having pregnancy issues. So, you know, the recommendation is that everybody get vaccinated, you know, again, as long as you're eligible and able to. And if you've spoken to your doctor and your doctor recommends it. Yeah. I guess the second part to that question would be, um, do babies receive any immunity through breastfeeding? They receive all their immunity for, through breastfeeding. It's kind of amazing how the woman's body works because yeah, it is. who would have thought? It's so simple. You keep yourself healthy and that alone will keep your baby healthy. That's amazing. It is pretty um, amazing. I mean, I, I never breastfed because... It wasn't something that we did when I was your age or younger. And I find it amazing, like the things that I've learned from being on the Breastfeeding Coalition and everything. It really is, it's amazing. Our next question is, I know we touched on this a little bit before, but where can parents and children go to receive their immunizations? There's a bunch of places. First, they can go to their practitioner or their doctor's office to get a series of vaccines, they can come to public health. We have uh, once a month a vaccine clinic, uh, I believe on Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30, is it, Jill? Well, it's the second Wednesday of every month, and right now it's the hours have been expanded a little bit, but usually it's 5 to 7 p.m. Oh, okay. uh, the second Wednesday of every month. It's a routine vaccine clinic for uninsured or underinsured children. Right now, because of COVID and doing all of our vaccines, it is by appointment only. And that's, I see that being for 
the near future at least, but can call for an appointment from that site just by calling public health and asking for an appointment. And that's for this the regular normal series of vaccines. That is yeah, not for right. COVID. That's the yeah, the routine. Now I'm not sure that we do, you know, every single vaccine. I mean, obviously your best bet still is to see your healthcare provider because like we talked about making sure you can ask those questions and get the answers and, and they know you and should see you on a regular basis. Um, but if there is something that is missing, the vaccine clinic at public health can assist with that. And I know you had mentioned going to your physicians, but is there any other place that you can go or where parents and caregivers can go to reach out for more information? They can always go onto our website. They can go onto the CDC website. Almost all of the pharmacies in Sullivan County are offering vaccines now, but they are for COVID. So if they have questions regarding COVID, they can go to their, their local pharmacy also. We also have, we have a whole page on childhood immunizations on our website too. So, you know, or you can, if there's general questions about vaccines, we do have the childhood vaccine uh, immunization program. So, you know, our immunization nurse is happy to answer questions as well. Okay, great, thank you. Um, well, that's all the questions we have for you. I don't know if anyone in the audience has any other additional questions that they would like to ask. I did see in the chat that somebody asked about um, live vaccination. So could you ladies go over the difference between live and not live vaccines? So a live vaccine would be a vaccine that's made using an actual virus. So, you know, if it was like a flu vaccine, they would actually use the flu virus. Most vaccines now are not live, which means they use other means to get the body to build their immunity. So it's probably easiest to talk about the COVID vaccines right now because, you know, everybody's heard of them. So, and I know Kathy talked about the mRNA vaccine where that basically just gives your body a blueprint. So it takes a spike of a protein of COVID, goes in, teaches the body how to defend against that protein should it be seen again. The Johnson Johnson one works a little bit different where it's, that one's called a viral vector. So it gives something that's very similar to the virus, but not the actual virus. So most of our vaccines are, they're gonna teach the body to develop immunity, not by using the actual virus or pathogen, germ, whatever, whatever it is you're defending. Which is why when you get a vaccine, sometimes you feel sick because it's teaching your body to actually fight the virus whatever the virus is. So if you feel your arm is sore and you get sniffles or a headache or you know a sore throat or body aches, that is your body actually fighting the virus. And it's, it's the vaccine inside of you teaching your body to fight the virus. So I have a question. A person with a low weak immune system like me, would the COVID shot do any justice for me or would it make me sicker? So they actually recommend people who are immunocompromised or have uh, immunization issues, that they actually really do recommend you get it, you know, and people with immune system issues were the first people that got that third shot. So yes, it's actually what you want to do because it can help teach your body how to fight that even with kind of a weakened immune system. So you would probably, it would be very advantageous. And because you have okay. a weakened immune system, you're more susceptible to getting sick. So it actually is better for you to get the vaccine because you're more susceptible to getting sick. Okay, I just didn't want to take any chances and then get sick really bad and then have to be, you know, hooked up to ventilators or, you know, something actually happened to me. So I just wanted to get information to see 
what will be my goals going forward? I would definitely speak to your doctor, especially if you see an immune, uh, immunocompromised doctor, just so you know, you know what to expect. You may have a different, you know, reaction to a vaccine than, than a person who is not. So it's a good idea to check with your doctor. In the chat we have, what happens if a child misses a dose of the vaccine? Um, I know we went over this a little bit, but if we could reiterate. Sure. Talk to your child's health care provider because there is always opportunity to get that vaccine and to get onto an appropriate schedule. Um, so whether it's one dose of a vaccine, a whole series of vaccines, um, you know, your child hasn't had any immunizations. The doctor can give you a schedule. They can adjust the schedule and make sure that your child safely gets back into a normal vaccine routine. I will tell you that in my own case, uh, my son was very sick in the first two years of his life and was very behind on all of his vaccines. And by the time he reached kindergarten, he was completely caught up. So it, it's possible to actually have that and just be fine. So um, my next question is, with the three shots that they currently have out right now, how many years is a shot supposed to last? So I don't know that anybody really knows um, how long the vaccines are going to provide immunity, regardless of which vaccine it was, if we're talking about the COVID vaccine. You know, there's as much research has been done, there's more research that, that needs to be done and is being done as we speak. So I don't think there's any data that's actual that we can actually tell you to be 100% true on how long it lasts. The way that you can look at it is, I'll use Moderna as an example. Moderna has three shots now. When it started out, there was only two. They've added the booster because they realized after so many months of people who have already been vaccinated that their immunity dropped. Because of um, Omicron, people were getting sick again after having been double vaxxed. So they added the booster, which in Moderna is like a half a dose. So they realized that by getting that half dose, your level of immunity raised you know, back to where it should be to protect you against the Omicron variant. So at this point, it's an ongoing thing. And as the time is passing, they're doing tests on people who've already been vaccinated, already been boosted. So we don't know how long it's actually going to last. But I mean, it all depends on the person and how their body adjusts to the immunity. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Are there any vaccines that are uh, specifically recommended for teens to take, whether that's as they enter college or other stages of their lives? Um, so teens, um, and especially going into college, I strongly recommend it to get the meningitis vaccines. And if we're talking about meningitis for teens, it's important to recognize that there's two different meningococcal or meningitis vaccines. One is the one that they get most commonly is A, C and W or so. There's three letters, but there's a second one. And you, if you watch TV, you might have seen advertisements for it. But um, meningitis B is not included in that initial meningitis series. So they're recommending that teens, especially those going into college um, and some other ones, get both meningitis vaccines. Of course, there's also uh, the recommendation for the HPV vaccine, and that starts at age 11 uh, for both boys and girls. But there are also vaccines for adults, and all of those schedules 
you can find all of those schedules fairly easily and make sure that your older child or yourself are up to date on the vaccines that are recommended at this time. Perfect. Thank you. I just wanted to add in that for teens, I know my doctor heavily recommended it just for teens in general, but the HPV vaccine, especially for women is a sexually transmitted and for men it may not cause as many issues but for women it can lead to like forms of uterine cancer or cervical cancer and so i know that that's a very important vaccine for teens to get especially as they're going into college and maybe exploring their work their lives more sexually it's just an important thing to make note of Exactly. And I would just like to add to that, that there are certain cancers that males can be affected by too with a with the HPV, HPV virus. So, you know, it's another vaccine that has kind of gotten a lot of negative attention, but it is a really good one for preventing some of those cancers and other illnesses. HPV is a really common virus. Um, a lot of people can actually pass the virus to their bodies with no lasting issues, but for a lot of people, it can lead to some long-term complications. So yes, that's a very really important one to either get or at least talk to your healthcare provider about. And there was another question in the chat. Lynette wanted to know what your recommendation for pregnant women receiving vaccines was and postpartum women. Um, From what I've read that pregnant women are safe to get the vaccine, and that's obviously coronavirus. The regular vaccines they should have already received. I will say that In the beginning of this uh, pandemic, everyone was concerned that the vaccine might cause uh, miscarriages and everything else, and that has been proven to be false. And what's actually been found now is if you're unvaccinated and pregnant, there's a greater chance of miscarrying later in their pregnancy. So it's important for a pregnant mom to get vaccinated as early as possible in her pregnancy. And that will hopefully carry into the baby as they're uh, as they're going through childbirth. Thank you. And I would like to add from my personal experience, when I was pregnant, I got screened for all my antibodies um, and it came up to find out I'm not covered. I don't, well, I guess my chicken pox vaccine, like it, it's not, I'm not covered anymore. Like I'm not immune anymore. So it was recommended by my doctor, my primary health care provider, that after I give birth that I could get my vaccine to cover myself for my safety and for my child's safety. That was the next thing I was going to say. You should always check with your provider before you get a vaccine. And even if you're not pregnant, it's very important because they're the ones that know you the best, like Jill said earlier. So my question is, again, when a newborn is freshly born, can they be vaccinated or the immune system is not strong enough for them to get the vaccine? I believe the first vaccine is at two months. Oh, okay. Actually, I do believe there are vaccines that are given at birth or shortly after. Happy, I think, is given right at birth. Yeah, my daughter got it at birth. Um, and I feel like it's something that as a mom that you can be nervous about, but me as my personal experience, um, I felt very comfortable. After my labor, um, the doctors came to me and they gave me my forms that gave me the explanation of the vaccine and whether I wanted to consent to give my daughter her first dose um, right after birth or not. And so I had that choice and that made me feel really comfortable. That the And that's like what we touched upon earlier. It's feel comfortable asking questions and ultimately it is your choice, um, but you do have healthcare providers there to guide you and to give you the information that you need. So remember to be an advocate for your health and for your child's health. And I think this forum is very helpful for that too, because, you know, being raising questions here, you know, if it's not something that we can answer, somebody else can 
get the information. So I just, I really can't emphasize enough making sure that you get information to make yourself feel comfortable and make sure that you're getting accurate information from your healthcare provider or um, from somebody else that you can trust because we really want to make sure, and that's what Kathy and I do, we're health educators. We really want to make sure that people get the information so they can make the best decisions for themselves and their child and their family. The last question is, what is a recommendation for moms who choose not to vaccinate their children? That's a very good question. In all honesty, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I know that unless it's a religious exemption, they are required to be vaccinated to go to school. I know that we have some in our community that do not believe in vaccines and homeschool, but I don't know what the legal ramifications of it are. I think my advice, again, um, would be to make sure that you get the inf- you get the right information, you know, because there are, like Kathy said, there are requirements for schools um, and other places that certain vaccines are, are required. Again, I, I really think it just comes down to making educated decisions and making sure that the information comes from reputable sources. Are there any more questions having to do with vaccines, vaccine confidence, where we can get them? No? Okay. Well, with that being said, I think we will end the recording of the podcast. I just want to thank you all for being here and for participating a little bit for our podcast episode. Um, And if anyone listening is interested in being interviewed for our podcast or might know someone that's interested in being interviewed, please reach out to us via text or call at 845-248-3942. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 